Action for camera. I felt like I wanted to be a director when I was in high school. And I realized that it was the director role that would really allow me to get every moment right. And I remember it was so heartbreaking. I just kept going into meetings and meetings and... No, we're not going to accept you into this festival and no, we're not going to give you money. I thought, okay, it's just me. I'm not good enough. Just got to work harder and be more brilliant. I mean, we're in a pretty misogynistic town. It was an environment of sexual favoritism. I don't really want to make movies anymore, you know? Over the past 17 years, the number of women directing has actually declined. Researchers found that directors are overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male. We need the needle to move because this is a civil rights issue. Women aren't being allowed to have opportunities that their male counterparts are getting. It can create an environment in which we feel like our very femaleness is some kind of disability. It's not. It's a strength. Uh, well, my name is Amy Adrian. I'm a film director, producer, writer, and I directed a feature documentary called Half the Picture, which is really a celebration of women-directed cinema and uh, the women who have fought so hard to get those films out into the world. Um, we interview incredible directors like Ava DuVernay and Lena Dunham, uh, Miranda July, Catherine Hardwick, Gina Prince-Bythewood, Mary Heron, Kimberly Pierce. Just a really interesting collection of filmmakers who make work in all different genres, who are all very different women themselves. But we kind of examine some of the challenges that they have faced as women in the business and celebrate the work that they've made. And I started making this film really because as a, as a woman director myself, I went to film school in Los Angeles and was experiencing some of the challenges that many independent filmmakers face and certainly many women filmmakers face um, just in difficulty in getting, raising financing for my narrative film that I've been trying to make and just encountering this general belief that women's stories are smaller, niche, not not as worthy of investment as male-centered stories. And I had worked with some women directors, and I, I kind of wanted to sit down with them and pick their brains and find out how did they overcome these hurdles and these challenges, and, you know, what advice do they have to give, and really kind of answer the question for myself, you know, is it possible for me to have a career in this business? All of the statistics and the research and the numbers show how difficult it is for women to work as directors. I mean, the numbers are really discouraging. Women direct about 4% of films. Um, that number hasn't changed in 20 years. And before 20 years ago, it was they directed, you know, half of 1% of films. So certainly it's a hard road and there is systemic discrimination. And so I wanted to talk to these women who powered through and, and figure out how they did it. There's definitely an issue and I think, you know, uh, the statistics that were mentioned in your film were really sort of eye-opening. I mean, I knew that there was a, a problem in in the film industry, but I didn't realise it was that bad. And like you say, it's still the same as it was 20 years ago. And I, I wonder why that is. Yeah, I mean, that's the big question. Why? Why, why are we in this situation? And I think you have to look at the extreme gender imbalance there is at all levels of this business, in all areas of the business, and certainly at the 
top positions. I mean, people who run agencies and who are the most powerful agents tend to be men. People who run, operate, own production companies and studios, largely the, they're men. Um, so this is a, a business where the gatekeepers, the real power brokers, the people with the most influence tend to be men. Certainly there are very strong women um, players in those fields, but they are definitely in a minority. And so when you have, you know, those people calling the shots, they are going to, you know, invest in people and films and ideas that they can relate to, that they think are universal, that they think can make a lot of money. And so you have them, you know, continuing to work with the same kinds of guys who have been working in the business before. You know, I don't think that it's like a conspiracy against women or people hate women, though certainly there are examples at the very top of the food chain of men in positions of power who do, you know, behave egregiously against women, that there are, you don't have to look far for many examples of that. But I think it's more that you know, those people are the people who have been in power and they work with people who have resumes, who have experience, who they feel comfortable with. And you, the, the system kind of just keeps replicating itself. Those tend to be guys who've gotten those opportunities in the past, who've won awards in the past. And so they keep getting opportunities in the future. When you spoke about the issues of women getting, you know, funding for the second picture, that seemed to really sort of shocked me in terms of the way that women have an issue having the lack of funding for them anyway especially when it comes to if if they have a flop you know and you know one of their films doesn't break even and the it's just the fact that Hollywood seems so obsessed with money and do you feel like it's getting more obsessed with money is probably where I'm getting at? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you, you there is just an incredible double standard that exists throughout the industry. And the thing, I think that's one of the things that's most shocking to people is that, you know, people rightly say Hollywood is not a charity organization. They are not in the business of giving jobs to people who want jobs because they want them or to you know, fill some diversity mandate. That is not why Hollywood is in business. They're in business to make money. The thing that is so shocking is that there are examples after examples of women directors who have huge, enormous box office hits, whose film, you know, early films win Academy Awards and are critically acclaimed. And those women don't get the follow-up opportunities that you would think they would get. Um, so whether it's Catherine Hardwick, you know, starting the Twilight franchise um, with a tiny budget and, you know, turning that into this billion dollar franchise or Sam Taylor Johnson with Fifty Shades of Grey or, you know, Penelope Spheris back in the day with Wayne's World. I mean, they made films that were huge hits and they weren't, you know, invited back for the follow up sequels of those films. And in some cases, they didn't want to do the sequels to those films. But they certainly thought they would be getting other big, interesting opportunities, and those opportunities did not come to them. And you just can't, you know, it's kind of mind-boggling, because if a male director had a huge hit, they would just keep lining up, you know, big movies on their, you know, on their dance card. And you don't see that for women. And that's the thing that's shocking, and that's the thing I think that really speaks to something else at play. 
it's not just about money because there are many examples of women whose films make money and earn awards and then they, you know, they don't keep getting work. I, I think that kind of like puts a little pin in the argument of like, well, Hollywood's a, Hollywood's a business. And so they just hire people to make money and make good films. And, you know, that's not exactly what it is because Hollywood is leaving money on the table. And you look at, you know, women and diverse creators who have these big hits who still don't get those next jobs. Many people come up to me and say, hey, I saw you on the DVD of Twilight and I realized that a woman could be a director. So that's why I went to film school. You know, that's just been flat out stated. I saw it. I saw you. I realized maybe I could do it too. It almost feels like they're scared of giving women the responsibility of having big budgets. But sure, I mean that's the thing that it all it, it all comes down to money and women. You know, people feel whether it's a cultural thing, they feel like it's more of a risk to give women bigger budgets or more money. And you know, you see more women in independent film in documentaries you know, where the barriers to entry are lower. Women can make low-budget indie films and low-budget documentaries. But as soon as you start going up that ladder of budgets, women are weeded out. You don't see women in studio films as much. You, oh, you know, you can name the women who've directed big-budget studio films on one hand. Mm. Um, and that's more and more of what Hollywood's doing. I mean, there's a lot of guys who are playing in that sandbox, and there are a couple of women you know, so women are, once once the money's there and the prestige is there, women don't get those jobs. And then there's certain male directors who, you know, can get away with awful things and behaving like monsters on set and still still get offered pictures. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think that speaks to just something about culturally us being much more comfortable with this idea of, you know, the brilliant... Um, male artist. That is a a trope. That is a, a character we're familiar with. And that person can, you know, treat people horribly or have substance abuse issues or be violent or be temperamental or be rude. But if the work is good, that's just wrapped up in their image as like a genius. And we really don't have a corresponding cultural image of what female genius looks like. And so, you know, a woman loses her temper once on set and she's out of control and emotional. And if a man does it, he's passionate and fights for what he believes in. And, you know, it just goes back to this double standard that exists throughout our culture. So whether you're looking at politics or entertainment or, you know, tech or whatever, women are kind of fighting these double standards. Yeah. I mean, if a, if a woman, you know, loses her temper, like you say, on set, she's oh wherever you know she's branded as being bossy and there was uh yeah it's all difficult to work with which is always a a right a lovely one that i liked hearing difficult to work with what does that even mean (laughs) and that's you know that's that's career ending Mm. people don't want to work with people who are difficult you know and so if you you know certainly with the harvey weinstein story and those you know, words that were actresses were labeled as difficult to work with, nightmare to work with, uh, you know, that that ends your career. So women are certainly fighting against, you know, those kinds of labels. Whereas for men, I mean, you, you know, I could name many, many names of stories that we've all read about really insane, out of control, 
you know, documented behavior on set that is, you know, bordering on criminal, if not criminal. And those guys are still getting big budget movies and winning awards and, you know, are the darlings of the industry. So it's, it's tough. Yeah, and I think another thing as well, which your documentary picked up on, was the the biological factors that women have to, you know, uh, have to. I don't want to say deal with because that doesn't that makes it come across as a negative type of thing, but you know, women do have children and they do have to, you know, put their careers on hold. And you know, I found it very touching with. Uh, uh, Miranda when she was talking about it as well that really sort of got me got me crying I think that people like that mothers should be making movies you know like people who like are loving that much and keeping someone you know alive and helping them grow and you know that's those are great people to make movies but there is this definite double standard surrounding women directors and and having to be, you know put aside their careers and into to being a, a mother do you think that's you know what can we do to improve that I and mean, how do we sort of get that to you know to society to change their view about women as as caregivers and also men as caregivers as well right um, and I would say that that section of the film was very important for me to have in there. And it's a tricky subject to broach because I think for a long time you would look at the statistics and see that women were not represented and the top levels of the business and certainly as directors. Um, and people said, well, women self-select out of those careers because it's hard to travel and women have kids and they just really don't want those jobs. And that's why you don't see women there. And so I think for a long time, women directors were very reluctant to admit to any challenges that having children uh, brings up because they didn't want to give any credence to that argument that like, you know, it's children and that's why women aren't getting these opportunities. And so women felt like they had to be very careful about saying like, yeah, it is hard when I leave my child for six weeks to shoot a movie or am working 14 hour days and, you know, barely see my kids. And I'm, you know, I'm really grateful to the women in the film for being as candid and honest as they were in the film, because it is hard. I mean, it is. I have two kids. I have two sons who are six and eight. And, you know, this is a business that is hard on families for everyone. There's a lot of travel involved. The days are incredibly long and stressful and intense. And so balancing having a family with that is a challenge for men and for women. It's just that women tend to do more of the caregiving. And so it, you know, it hits them harder. Um, You know, this issue hits them harder, but, you know, every woman director I spoke with, um, they all have different ways of dealing with it. And for some of them, it's they don't work as much when their kids are little. Mary Heron said that. Miranda July in the film said that. You know, her child was about three years old when we interviewed her. And she said, you know, very, you know, candidly and emotionally, like I, you know, she's married to Mike Mills, who is a director also. And she said, I just saw him not see our son for like months. And she said, I don't see myself being able to go through that. He's so young. You know, that that would be really tough. 
But everybody figures it out a different way, you know, some people. And then we also have Jamie Babbitt in the film who talks about, um, you know, getting financing for her second film. And she was nine months pregnant when the financing came through. And they said, you need to be on set in three weeks. And she said, okay, I'm going to have my baby. Give me one week to be home with the baby. I'm going to find a nanny and I'll be on set. So every woman figures it out in a way that works for her and for her family. So I think you just can't have this blanket idea that like, well, she won't want to work because she has kids because that is just not true. And maybe some women don't want to work for a certain period of time, but maybe you don't want to work for a certain period of time because, you know, a family member is sick or you have enough money for that period of time and you don't need to work or, you know, there's, there's lots of reasons why people choose to work or not work at different times. But I feel like women just pay such a steep price when it comes to figuring out a way to like balance having children and, and pursue this career, which is a very, you know, it's a very weird thing that we do. It's very, you know, it's like the circus, you know, it's like you're in these projects intensely for, for a certain period of time and you have no life outside of that. And so it's a very difficult job. You know, it's, it's a job that's very hard on, on all different families. And I think we just give men more of a pass I think I think men maybe tend to make it work with supportive spouses who really take on all of the caregiving. And again, that's a rarer thing to find for women to have that corresponding dynamic. So I would say, I mean, I I think it is a challenge having children and being there for them and having these periods of, of intense work. But many, many, many women figure out a way to make it work. You know, I think ultimately it having a fulfilled, successful mother who their, you know, children can look up to and respect and admire is a great thing for, for their family. And I think that's definitely why, like for me, like we ended that section about motherhood in the film with Gina Prince-Bythewood you know, talking about how she was on a night shoot and she came back from a night shoot and her sons who were like, you know, 12 and 15, they weren't little, little kids, but they, they wrote these notes and put them all around the house just saying, you know, the queen is back and stay strong. And, you know, and you're like, you know, that's, it's good for them that she's doing work that she loves and that she's admired for. And they see that and how wonderful for them to have that kind of a female role model in their lives. So you know, it's hard. It's hard, but we do it. And yeah. and we do, you know, women do it very well every day. So it, it's possible. Yeah, it's, it definitely sort of left me feeling very inspired and everything. So <laughs> it was reassuring because you don't really, you hear all these, you know, stories and stuff and pe- women sacrificing, you know, their careers and Oh, there's just a sort of negative stigma attached right. to motherhood nowadays. So it was it was great to have, you know, hear those stories. I, I just thought, want to know, in terms of education for like film schools, do you feel, I went to university and studied film uh, and I just remember there wasn't much in terms of modules about women in film. Do you feel that, that's something that universities and colleges should be doing more to sort of enforce, I don't want to say enforce, but encourage women to, to go into filmmaking, especially if they can see 
other women filmmakers and their work being represented on screen and study it and well there's certainly i mean yes there's certainly work that needs to be done to kind of expand the definition of the canon of film greats and you know you can just look at again many examples of women who've made remarkable films that don't quite get their critical due and kind of get written out of the history of film and that's you know happens again in entertainment and in all sorts of history you know the people who write the history books uh who write the stories again still largely tend to be male i mean in our film we talk about film criticism and film feature writers and that's largely men i mean critic the top critics in rotten tomatoes at 73 percent are men so 27 percent women and so you get kind of the same stories that are repeated about who the greats are and you get kind of this echo chamber and women's names fall out of that and that was one of the really exciting things for me about making half the picture is not that these women are forgotten because they're still you know many of them have flourishing careers and are making great work but some of these women i feel like haven't gotten their their due and have kind of gotten forgotten or just not as uh respected and and known as they should be whether it's like martha coolidge with valley girl which is like you know an all-time teen classic and is just an incredible film or wayne's world or even american psycho and mary heron i mean these are like or boys don't cry and kimberly pierce these are classic cinema and you know like boys don't cry was kimberly pierce's first film you just look at that it is it is a masterpiece and i just i feel she doesn't get and many of these women don't get the credit that they deserve so yes i think in in film studies it is important to look at the really significant contributions of all different kinds of people in cinema and that isn't what usually happens and um you know the work of you know, black filmmakers and women filmmakers is not as known or as celebrated. So I certainly think that that's important. When I went to film school, I would say, I mean, the emphasis in our program, I I was at UCLA, was much more on production and writing and directing. And so certainly we had critical studies classes and we watched classic films, you know, largely films made by men. But just, you know, I, I appreciated that the focus was on what inspires you? What do you care about? What are you making? Which opened up so many possibilities for all the different students who were there who were making films about all the weird, interesting things that they were passionate about. But certainly to be reminded of the legacy that women have in this business is, you know, is is really important. You know, you can tend to feel like you're alone in this struggle, but there is a, a lineage and a legacy and a long history of established incredible women filmmakers who've been who've been making movies since the beginning of cinema like just to have that belief in yourself and and that swagger and i I really wish that every parent would put their girls into sports because me playing sports and who i was an athlete absolutely speaks to who i am today as a director and it gave me stamina and the belief that you know it's okay to to want to be the best um, it's okay to, to, to fight and be aggressive and, and also just the understanding that this business is so hard. You have to have stamina.
Yeah, I mean, we uh, recently did a podcast uh, discussing the sort of history of women in in film, and you forget how many women uh, were around in the early days of silent cinema. It was, you know, amazing. So, I, you know, I would encourage people to obviously uh, listen to that podcast and check it out, but also go back and do some research as well, and you you'll be amazed about how you how many filmmakers have like you said right. being forgotten about but um lastly just uh, to wrap everything up i just want to sort of ask you who your sort of favorite female directors are and, and what films of theirs uh, are your favorites and if you have any recommendations at all well i would say that half the picture is largely a distillation of you know my life as a film lover and film fan and Every woman in the film is a woman whose work has inspired me, that I love, that I feel really connected to. And so the film itself was a joy to make. And I feel like that, you know, all of those women in all of those films that that are in Half the Picture are films that that I just love. And this is a, Half the Picture was made independently. We didn't have, you know, some big production company or established producers, Um you know, making the film with us, which in one way was a, you know, financial challenge because we were raising the money and doing everything ourselves and learning how to do things we didn't know how to do and um, just hustling. But the the great benefit of that was, you know, people ask, well, how did you pick which filmmakers to include? And I said, I contacted women who I love, whose work I love, who I am admire and have been admiring my whole life. So, you know, I would say literally and without any hesitation and with complete sincerity, I would say everyone that we feature in in half the picture. And there are so many great women filmmakers who are who are emerging, who are working now. I mean, that's been another one of the joys of making half the pictures. We have a website and, um, you know, Facebook page and Twitter and, and all of that. And I like I use that platform to shout out the work of women that's at the recent Toronto Film Festival or that was at Telluride or that was at Cannes or that's coming out in theaters. And it's just, I mean, it's a wave. It's a, it's an explosion. It's, there's just stuff happening everywhere by really passionate, talented women working in all different genres. And it's exciting to just shout out their work because again, women tend to not have the, you know, as much critical support just as far as, you know, feature writers writing about how great their work is. They tend to have smaller releases. They're working with smaller budgets. And so, you know, it's an honor for us to just shout out all of the exciting work that's happening now. And it's everywhere. You just have to sometimes look a little bit harder to find it because women tend not to get this, you know, those same kind of resources as, as male directors get. What has been sort of the reception from, you know, uh, male uh, people who, you know, male critics and uh, just general male watchers of, of the documentary? Have you had any sort of feedback from them at all? Yeah, I was going to say facetiously, who cares? But I'm not, I won't say that. I'm just kidding. No, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, we, we had a um, kind of like a test screening of the film about a year ago last summer where I brought some friends from film school and people whose opinions I respect 
and you know had them look at the at the fine cut of the film and just give us feedback as we were as we were finishing it um and one of my friends alex o'flynn who's really incredible editor he edited girl walks home alone at night and the bad batch and chloe zhao's the writer which i love you know he said like i and we went to film school together and he's he again he's a really um award-winning editor now but he was like i want to make a movie like after seeing your film like i just feel so like you know i feel so inspired like i want to make my own thing um, and that's the greatest response you get from anyone, whether it's a man or woman. And, and certainly, I would say after every screening that I've attended of our film, you know, people and largely women have come up to me afterward and said, oh, I have this short that I've been meaning to do, or I have this script in a drawer, and like, or I have this, you know, documentary project, and like, I- I'm going to make my thing now. And that's like the most amazing response you could ever get. And I, you know, men have had that response too, which which I love. I I was inspired and I've been writing screenplay, uh, which I haven't written for ages. So it's been really... Do it. (laughs) I will. will Do it. But do you have anything else that's sort of in the works at the moment at all? Yeah, I, I have a few different things that I'm working on. There's a couple of narrative films, one that I'm writing, which is about a high school girls basketball team. Um, So it's kind of a coming of age sports film. There's another really just incredible, fun, kind of feminist Western that I've been working with these writers on that I hope we can raise some money for that in the near future. And then I have various doc projects that I'm in, you know, different stages with as well. So there's nothing that is like, you know, in six months, this is the thing that it's going to be. But there are a lot of exciting things on the horizon, and I'm just... You know, as all of us indie filmmakers are, I'm just trying to make progress each day toward those things. And you really need to, you know, manifest a career for yourself, you know, especially women and other people who tend to not get as much support in the system. You know, it's rare to have an agent come to you even after making a film that is very well received and say, here's this project here's a career on a platter like come take it that just doesn't happen and you you need to work and hustle every day to you know to get your work made so i'm i'm deep in the process on of that on a on a few different things thank you for taking the time and great it was a lot of fun talking to you good luck on your project we all the the personal is political right you just gotta making our work is actually like a a political statement whether it's a you know an overtly political project or not just saying what i have to say matters and getting it out in the world is you know part of the solution so we're all we're all working on that Hollywood has the ability to deliver dreams to girls and boys around the world of what they can be and what this world can be like. That is the power of story. When you take women, people of color, trans people, and you put them at the center of the story, you change the world, we found out. You just put your head down and you just do it. Exploring contemporary issues through a futuristic lens. I love doing that. Choreographing an action sequence, for me, I love doing that. How does it feel to be the highest grossing woman director right now? I like that. It's a passion. I knew that I could make a movie that would change my life.